Amen. Amen. It's time for the word of the Lord this morning. I'm so super excited. I told someone this morning, I said, I'm so excited. I can feel it in my big toe already. Amen. You can just feel the excitement of what God is going to do um, in our midst uh, this morning. Uh, with your Bibles, please let us stand and turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 and 8. And for those who are joining us on Facebook Live, we so appreciate you watching us. Uh, there are people that I know. I went to the eye doctor and uh, the person who's taking care of me says, hey, I watch you sometime. He says, man, you, you're pretty artistic. You move all over the place. I'm like, yeah, tell the uh, media team back there trying to keep up. So um, I, said, I just get excited about Jesus. So we have people who are watching and we appreciate you watching and we just believe that you're going to be blessed uh, this morning. And I believe everyone that's here that you are going to be blessed and you're going to really receive a dynamic word from the Lord uh, this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 to 8 is where we're going to begin. I'm going to read, then pray, and then I'm going to have you uh, be seated. If you don't have your sermon outline and you would like one, we'll have our ushers make sure they get, get you one to, uh, to follow along. I'm going to stay with the, with the notes because God is really wanting us to go somewhere. Uh, God really wants us to go somewhere. We're, we're on a journey, and he's not leading us blind. It's not this thing called blind faith, okay? God is strategic in what he's doing, and um, he's got a word for you this morning. He's got a word for me this morning. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 and 8, and it says, And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse number 7, That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness. So we're already seeing the characteristics of God, right? We can automatically see that God is kind. Someone say God is kind. So there's no arguing that. So when anybody tries to t tell you something that's contrary to God's kindness, you can go right to that scripture and say right there, and it's connected in this concept of grace. And then he ends through, uh, through us, through Christ Jesus. Verse number eight. For by grace are you saved. How? Through faith. And not of yourself. Stop being religious. Religion is killing relationships. And he's saying right there that you are saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It is the gift of God. So we saw earlier the characteristics of God, that he's kind. And here we see him actually demonstrating his kindness by saying, I've given you a gift. And that's the gift of salvation. And how do you obtain that? It's through faith. It's through faith. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. I know that you've spoken to me, Lord. I know you have. And I pray, Lord God, that this word will go forth, first of all, with clarity. That whatever cloud is hovering over the mind of your people, that the presence of the Holy Spirit will remove that cloudiness. And they will be able to receive your word with conviction. We thank you that we are people who want to live by conviction because in that definition itself speaks of faith. And we also thank you, Lord, that you will capture our hearts. So bring clarity to our mind, bring conviction to our soul, and capture our heart through this message this morning. And in advance, we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. I heard a statement from a preacher, and as we are plugging in in our July sermon series, Seated, sleeping, storms. 
the Lord would not allow me to get off this particular topic of what it means to be seated. Where he's taken us and how he's going to transport us and how we're going to arrive at our place of destiny, you have to be seated and buckled into the word of God. You have to be. Because the enemy is going to try to distract, he's going to try to discourage you. How many can testify of that? That the moment you make a decision, the moment you make a decision for God, the enemy knows that just one drop, just one word will literally catapult you into a, a, a realm of faith that will cause you to do the miraculous. He doesn't want that because that will be a witness to people and then they'll come through faith and give their heart to Christ. And so therefore, he wants to bring discouragement. He wants for you to get out of your seat. But he wants me to remind you and remind myself again that God, and, and mark this down or write this down or get this in your mind, that as people of God, we don't live by coincidences. We live based on confirmation. That as people of God, we are seated in God, that we look for confirmation. And this entire week, God has been confirming over and over and over again. And he's saying to me personally, hey, Ro, he's saying to me, remain seated in my word. Okay, God. And he brings confirmation. So he says, Ro, the reason why the church has been called into a fast. And here it is, I'm saying, God, we're in this fast for 21 days because we want to pray for families. And God says, yes, that, that, that's right. And we want to pray for financial breakthrough. How many of you want a financial breakthrough in your life? Come on. Come on. We need that because we need to free you up to do God's work. You ought to get excited about that. Come on. Come on. Amen. I don't know if you like paying bills. Come on. I don't. I, I like tithing. Come on. I like giving offerings, right? Amen, somebody. I don't like paying medical bills. Come on. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like paying school loans. I don't like it. You may like, I don't like it. I don't like Bill. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I don't like paying those things. So he says, you're going to fast for financial breakthrough. And I'm here to tell you, thank you, Holy Ghost. I'm just going to flow as the Holy Spirit's caused me to flow. Amen. I'm amongst people that just like to flow in the Spirit, right? And so he wants to understand that the enemy has been robbing the church of resources. He's been robbing the church of resources that belongs to us. Right. And, and so this week, um, you know, my, my, my best friend, his family, they're, they're here from Florida. And, and um, uh, I'm just glad and it's his birthday today. And he decided to spend his birthday here uh, hearing me preach. Amen. So I'm on cloud nine. Amen. I'm excited about that. But we went to, to the movies and I'm just observing the place was packed. And I'm just thinking all the resource, all the money that was spent in making this movie. By faith, they thought people would show up. Come on, y'all, y'all, y'all missing that. Paid actors before anyone even put themselves in a seat. Finished the movie first and then backed up and said, let's start it. Come on. And people are coming. And, and, and I got there and I sat down and the seat was comfortable. It was a reclining seat. And they realized we're going to keep you for two hours and 15 minutes. We've got to make you comfortable. And we can't have you fall asleep, so every 20 seconds, I'm going to change the frame so I can keep your attention. 
What's happened is that the world understands now that for you to be seated so they can pull resources from you, they have to mesmerize us and capture us for two hours and 15 minutes. I didn't fall asleep. I didn't want to miss a frame. Come on. And so here it is that we have from 10 to 12 and we fight. And that's no knock. Come on. I'm I'm not knocking. What I'm telling you is God is going to give us a revelation about why faith really works because the world is using it to capture resource to fund the culture of corruption. And here's the church singing Kumbaya. Come on, somebody. And God help us. And we have this weak mentality. Nobody wants to join an army like that. I might as well stay home and be depressed. So I don't know about you, but God wants to release resources into your hands. And there's some of you, your heart is so pure that God wants to bring millions, if not thousands of dollars into your hands so that you will fund the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this morning, you're going to recognize it because it's through faith that God's going to do it. And there's an aspect, there's there, there is, there is a dimension that God wants his church to get to when he says it right here. You've been seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Not with them yet, because there's a work for us to do here. Oh, God. We're in Christ Jesus, so we get our instructions from a heavenly perspective. So that down on earth, we can do the will of God. Why? Because we have communication from up in heaven, because we're in Christ Jesus. And so, therefore, the church moves then based on what the word of God is telling us here on earth, because someday we will be with Christ Jesus. So there's an excitement. There's an expectation. There is this privilege. There is this permission that's been given to us to access heaven. How many want to access heaven this morning? Come on, it's going to be through faith. So I'm here to tell you right now, I don't know what you've been thinking about for the last five minutes, but I want you to think on things above. I want you to think on things above. I want you to move your mind from here and on your circumstance to move your mind up there on Christ and his position in your life. Someone better shout amen. That's a good word, Pastor Ro. So he says, he says, you got to be seated in this. And So here it is now. That Jesus is perfect theology. That's the first blank for those taking notes. Jesus then is perfect theology. The church then, we are governed and we are guided by Jesus. He's perfect theology. Jesus didn't come to abolish the Old Testament law. He came to fulfill it. What he did was he brought a different kingdom into reality. And he says what the system did was point people to me. And he says, now I fulfill that system of having to bring a religious animal every single time to wash away your sin and shame. You got to get that. He said, listen, the resource you've been taking and been spending when you went to the temple, you had to convert the Roman currency into the temple currency so you can go ahead and make the sacrifice. And he said, the resource that you used to use now to try to appease me, he says, no money can buy what I'm about to give you because you have to access it because the love of the Father, the riches of Jesus Christ is so magnificent that no money from Bill Gates or Warren Buffett, come on, or Michael Jordan is sufficient to pay for what I did for you. 
Mm-mm. Stop comparing natural things to supernatural things. Your reality, come on, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I got to preach this. Your reality is from a different perspective. From a different perspective. And when you know the reality of heaven and where you are, you can be seated in the word of God. So Jesus is perfect theology. Say it with me. Jesus is perfect theology. So it doesn't matter what we're going through. We look to Jesus. It doesn't matter what you're facing. You look to Jesus. Everything you need to live godly on this side of heaven, Jesus has fulfilled it. He is the answer. It's not just a religious cliche because we're not religious people. It's a reality in a relationship that's so secure. Come on. That no matter what I'm facing, doesn't matter what the situation is, it won't change who Jesus is. Jesus is perfect theology. Oh, this thing's moved from my toe up to my kneecap. Come on, somebody. So not only is he perfect theology then, if we're going to access a reality, if we're going to access a dimension of heaven, we have to access it through faith because we read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7 and verse 8, where it says that we're saved through faith. So, so faith is vital. And so then because Jesus is perfect theology, we now need to understand Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2. Where it says Jesus, or it says this, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher or the perfecter of our faith. So not only is he saying you need to access all of heaven through faith, Jesus says, I'm perfect theology. You're going to access it through me. Oh, God. Oh. That's why he's saying that if you're in Christ Jesus, you are protected from the plans and the plots of the enemy. So we need to walk as people of God, knowing that we are protected because we're in Christ Jesus. And I have legal access to things. So if you're praying for me, I need for you to know that you're seated in heavenly places. Come on. In Christ Jesus. So when you pray for me and my family, and when you pray for this ministry, you're accessing a reality that's supernatural. Oh. So when you tell people that we are growing and that we are expanding, and they come and says, what are you talking about? I says, you're not seeing it from the reality where I'm seated. So don't let people who are seated come on amongst the ungodly take away where you're seated amongst God. They try to talk you out of it. They try to hold you back from the promises of God. Some of you are afraid to tell people your dreams. You're afraid to tell people what you believe in God for because it didn't happen in a month. It didn't happen in two months. It hasn't happened in three months. And you give up. And you change your seat. Someone's like that game, musical chairs, and you're going around, the music stops, you take a seat. And someone comes to your seat before, and eventually there's no more seat. No, I'm here to tell you, Jesus is seated. He's seated. And so in Hebrews 12, verse 2, he says he's the author and the finisher of our faith for the joy that was set before him. Endured the cross, despising the shame. And he now has been exalted and he's seated at the right hand of God. Can God make it any more plain to us that he wants us to be seated? I don't think he can. He's saying be seated. Be seated. 
I remember we were flying to, to Texas, and uh, this was one of the first flights for our girls, and, and, and we were flying, and um, I rarely experienced turbulence or anything like that. I don't like roller coasters and those things. And so we're there, and all of a sudden, the, the, the aircraft went like this, just like, and my coffee, you know. Oh, coffee. Oh how, I, oh, how I miss you, coffee. And so the coffee we had, it just went up like this. And, and I'm like, Danny's like just totally like, oh, my gosh. And Lizzie's oblivious. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so, and so I turned to her and I said, someone who flies for a living, I said, man, this was a pretty bad turbulence. Wasn't it? She goes, no, that was, that was pretty calm. <laughs> I said, if this was calm, I could only imagine the turbulence of when a storm hits and you got to and so they were telling people over the thing to say, please be seated. The, the, the light's on that says, please be seated. And people are still moving around because they're trying to get their position because now they're, they're nervous. And all of a sudden, they have to intensify their communication. They came over the loudspeaker, please be seated and put your seatbelt on. And what God is saying that when we're going to go through some storms, he has to raise his voice because you have to access a dimension that demonic forces are trying to prevent you from accessing. And there's time when God's going to raise his voice, the volume. And how does God raise his voice? He shows you his promises from the past. Come on, somebody. He shows you that what I did last week, I'm the same God can do it right now. When God raises his volume, he wants you to just do a flashback of his goodness. Come on, somebody. If you're here, it's time to just take a praise break one more time. Can you do that? God wants to raise the volume. He wants to elevate the volume in the room. Just think about the goodness of Jesus. Just, just remember what God has done for you. He's the same God yesterday, the same God today, and he's the same God tomorrow. If you're going through turbulence, please be seated in the goodness of God. Ah, come on. Uh, Rich was telling me that when, when they, they land on the foot, this flight or another flight, he landed and the pilot had his feet kicked up on the thing like this, like he landed the plane and his feet went up on a thing like this and he was just like, yeah. I landed this baby. And he was just chill. He was relaxed. I'm here to Jesus is not your co-pilot. Jesus is the pilot. And he is so calm that he could sleep on a pillow. Come on, somebody. He said, I'm so I'm seated because I know that 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 God is good. That God tell your neighbor God is good. Come on, look at them. If they if they're not convinced, tell them again. God is good. So be seated. Quit freaking out. Just be seated and trust God that he will make sure that his promises come to pass in your life. So what you are saying is this, is that to be seated in the word of faith is to let the world know you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and I'm not ashamed to access everything I need by faith. I am not ashamed. To access everything I need for my life, for my family, for my career. There is nothing that you will desire that you can access by faith in your relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Let's not neglect, as the Hebrew writer says, this great salvation. Don't you make this salvation look like it's so cheap that you're not going to access it. There's many people, one day you came, you confessed Jesus Christ. You may have been in your living room. You may have been a church service. You may have been at camp. I don't know where you accepted the reality and the truth of Jesus Christ. But wherever that place was, please understand, this salvation wasn't cheap. You had access to a level of understanding and revelation that comes from God. That There are people that are crying now for the revelation that you have. Let's not neglect the salvation. In other words, let's put God's word to the test. And you do that by accessing faith. So make decisions because Jesus is your theology. And if you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, oh, Father, I come against every lie of the enemy that makes a desire that is from you The enemy tries to make it that it's not for good. Come on. Because some people won't make a desire or won't make a decision because they think, I don't know if this is going to be for me or it's going to be. God is giving you desires. And it's based on this relationship you have with them. Jesus and our relationship with him is not conditional. Come on. It's not like how we have relationship with each other. Come on, right? And so we govern our relationship this way to this way. And it's supposed to be this way to this way. Come on, we got to change. It's this way. Because I can make a God out of her. I can make her an idol. Come on. Right? He said, I have no other gods before me. And so it's this way. So when I make a decision, it's based on this. That can bring a blessing this way. And so relationship. Listen, the church should be the place where healthy relationships are birthed, developed, and displayed. Write that down. The church, no other institution. No Oprah, no, no Dr. Phil, come on somebody, right? No talk show, no Ellen DeGeneres, no other place, no disrespect, but no other place than the corporate gathering of the body of Christ where healthy relationships are displayed, where they're demonstrated, come on, right? And where they are desired. Ooh. There's no other place for that. So relationships are supposed to be here. And they're going to get messy. They're going to get messy. Because here's why. Here's why. Romans 10 verse 8 is a powerful scripture. Because Romans 10 verse 8 says this. It says, the word is nigh us. So, so Paul was quoting a Deuteronomy chapter 30 text where they're about to go into the promised land. And the Apostle Paul wants to bring this contrast. What he wants them to understand is that the Apostle Paul was governed and was called by God to minister to the Gentiles. Peter was to the Jews, but Paul was to the Gentiles. And he would go first to the Jewish synagogues, and he would teach, and when they didn't listen, he would go to the Gentiles. Right? And you have to understand this now. Here's why religion is so damaging. Right? Because the people of, of, of the nation of Israel, because they, you know, through Abraham, they were so locked into their identity based on this religious system that they miss allowing people to come into this door of faith that was opened up for all nations to come to Christ. They were so religious, right? And they formed this club. And what Paul was doing was telling the Gentiles who for years, for centuries, was told you have to do all these things to be accepted in the faith. They were less than. They were not in equal standing to the nation of Israel. And Paul is bringing a message now of this faith 
that they can access the dimension of Abraham's blessing. Oh God, you got to get this. He says, you now have access to this Abrahamic blessing of prosperity, of land, of wealth. You have all of it, but there was a pushback because they're like, you sure? Because religion has been telling me for all these years that I can't access the holies of holies. You got to hear this message. Come on. And so I can only go into the courts of the Gentiles. I couldn't step into a place where I could see greater revelation of God. And I didn't get permission to step closer into another dimension of God. Because what I need from God is in there. But religion is keeping me out here. And so in trying to preach this gospel, let you know your salvation has removed every single barrier for you to access God. Every barrier has been removed. And the barrier that needs to be removed is your limited thinking in your mind. And so here it is now that we're fighting for that. And so the Apostle Paul now was saying, before you enter the promised land, i got to get Egypt out of you. You can't take an Egypt mindset and step into a place where decisions have to be made of how to take over, how to take territory if you're still living in Egypt. The salvation, come on, he took them out of Egypt. He bankrupt one economy and fulfilled all. Oh God, that's called wealth transfer. All the gold that Egypt had, everything. He says, no, no, my forefathers, Joseph, come on, had the strategic plan. It was his wisdom that brought this wealth. Come on, I'm taking what belongs to me. So I said, I'm taking what belongs to me. You got to get more aggressive, church of God. You got you to gotta have an attitude. No, that belongs to me, Satan. And thank you very much. And that belongs to me. Thank you. Media, no, that belongs to the church. Come on, somebody. Education, that belongs to the church. Come on. Go on, anybody in here in this place that wants to take things back from the enemy? Huh? You are watching. Take things back from the enemy. And remove those barriers to access. And so he's saying, if, you, if you're going to go, if you're going to go and access, he says, don't think the word of God is so far that you have to cross over the sea to go get it. And don't think the word of God is so high that you've got to go all the way to heaven to go get it. He's removing every excuse for them not to receive the word of God. He said, it's not so far that you've got to swim or you've got to go on a, a boat to get it. It's not so high that you have to have an airplane to go get it. He says the word, the word you need to possess the promise of God is in your mouth and in your heart. Good God Almighty. And then he says, now, this is the word of faith that we preach. So when I was Googling, Google, and I said, word of faith, the enemy, come on, who's the God of this world? Uh, who controls the internet. The, the internet. I don't think I'm one of these like, oh, there's devil everywhere. I'm just telling you, there's a system out there that's trying to prevent you from accessing faith to see a reality. Hence why all these reality shows now are popping up because we have given up on the reality of the supernatural. And so therefore now, the internet that's driven by perversion, it's driven because the resources is there. Come on. Because they believe that fallen humanity has a desire that has to be fulfilled. And so we're going to feed that desire through the internet and we'll take our resources and give it into the system that will control and govern them. So when I researched and Googled word of faith, what came up was a knock to all the word of faith preachers. 
listen to me, TGP, and those who are visiting us. Listen to me. It's not an issue whether that's right or wrong or the judgment of the heart. What the enemy is doing, he doesn't want people to access resources that can get them out of poverty. So he perverts. So we will shy away from the word of faith. So when you talk about salvation, they're like, oh, I'm comparing that to what I saw on the internet. Uh, that can't be the word of faith that I need to proclaim. And that's why there's a resistance. Are you getting this? That's why there's a resistance. But I'm here to say, I got some folks up in this place this morning that you're going to break that resistance. You're saying, Pastor, oh, I want all that God has for me. Come on, the word of God is not so high, I can't reach it. Come on, someone pull the word of God down. Come on, pull it down. God, pull it down. I'm pulling down the promises of God. I'm pulling down the riches of God. I'm pulling down everything God has for me. And I'm going after the promises of God. I will not be denied. I have everything I need. I feel the purpose of God. And so the word of faith that we preach is based on a relationship, not religion. That's what the church needs to know. We've been fighting religion for so long. The major world religions. There is no, there, there, there isn't any. It's a lie from the pit of hell. It is man-made desire to fulfill a need that they have. That's what religion is. We have a relationship where the only, only belief that a God loved us, he came out to die for us. That is so foreign to every other religion. They said, you guys are crazy. That's ridiculous. I, I, I don't know how that works. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus is perfect theology. And we have to equip you because the religions of this world is trying to come and trying to rob us, right, of all that God has for us. And so we have to access the resources, but you can't get resource without having a relationship. That'll be perverted. You've got to have a relationship, and then you can access the resource. And in between that is where we get the righteousness. So this word of faith that we're preaching has three dimensions. Someone say three dimension. It begins first with a relationship with God. He's perfect theology. So everything I ask of God, watch this now, we know that it is from God because I step into the reality now of righteousness. Because religion would say, you got to do something for it. So for example, when they got on the boat and Jesus said, let's get to the other side. Relationship spoke, let's get to the other side. They got on the boat and all of a sudden now, because they made a decision, the storm started to come. And look how the three things manifest. In the boat was the relationship with Jesus. He just taught the people. They saw the miracles. They saw everything Jesus did. They saw, they witnessed it. They did. They saw the lame walk, the blind eyes open. They saw the, 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 the cripple. They, they saw all kinds of miracles, the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus now says, let's go to the other side. The same Jesus who did all this. Let's go to the other side. Well, they get in the boat because they were experienced fishermen. And they saw the natural, and it looked safe. And God is saying, they have a relationship with me. You can't play it safe. You got to take a risk. You got to take a risk by believing that you don't see it, but you know that my word will come to pass. And they get on the boat. And what happened? The storm comes. First thing they did, first thing they did was, well, what are we going to do? And they forgot they had a relationship with Jesus. So they went right to religion. They went right back to what they know. They went right back to religion. Let's try to get the water out ourselves. And this is what the church is doing now. We hit a storm, and we're trying to do this. And we're throwing things out. We're throwing out the Holy Ghost. Come on, we're throwing out. We're throwing out the blood. 
we're throwing out the cross. Come on, somebody. Because we're going to do it our way. Because that way is not working. It was working where we're on the shore. Now we're on the sea. And the storm is coming. The blood doesn't work. Then let's throw the blood out. Let's throw the Holy Ghost out. Come on. Come on. Let's do 12 steps instead of one step. Come on, somebody. Let's throw all this stuff out. Because the blood is not enough. And what they were afraid of was losing their resources. That was somebody's boat. That was someone's hard-earned money. That was someone's occupation. That was somebody's resource. And so the storm came and it revealed those three dimensions. And Jesus is saying, you got to understand these dimensions if you want to preach the word of faith. Because we're supposed to preach the word of faith. And we have to understand the relationship, the righteousness, and then the resource. Oh, how many here want money to flow through you? Come on, somebody. Money is not a bad word. It's the love of money. That's the issue. Come on, somebody. You got to get delivered from that poverty mindset. I didn't say poor. That poverty mindset, that Babylonian system that's trying to hold you back because we make decisions based on our resources and it's we're religious. And it's got to be based on what did Jesus say, that relationship with Jesus, because it's perfect theology. Are you receiving this? So now he says, here is the thing. So in Mark 11 now, a great, great text, a great text. And in Mark 11, I believe it's verse 22, Jesus now goes to them and he says, hey, 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 here it is. Have faith in God. Ends it. Have faith in God. You saw me speak to this fig tree and it was cursed. He says, have faith in God. And then he gives him a blank check. Oh, can't say that here because it's talking about money. He gave him access to a dimension. And he says this now, whatsoever you ask, whatsoever you desire, believe and you will have it. End of story. Well, he doesn't really mean this. No, he means what he says. Whatever you want, access it. So when you have a confident relationship in Jesus, you realize how rich you really are. You understand you have access to things. Come on. That you don't have to worry. You don't have to fret. You don't have to, you don't have to, oh my gosh, how how is God going to? Provide for me. He just said, whatever you desire. That's why we got to get to the realm of the righteousness. So we can then access the resource that we have. Right? Because what God wants to do with TGP and where God is taking, what prophetic work came over this ministry and many pastors, faithful pastors who have served this ministry for so long. I believe that word is still lingering up. Then God has said, I wish someone will get that word by faith. One generation came and you missed it, but it said it's still hovering right over here. And I wish you would just get a hold of it so I can accomplish my will in the earth. And I'm going to tell you, God is saying, here's how you're going to access it. It's going to be through faith. Is this making sense? It's going to be through faith. It's going to be through faith. So let me give you the three things, right? And these are negative things about faith. And then we may not have enough time to get to what well, we will. Let, let me get this real quick. Okay. So here it is now. So here it is. So while they're on the, the, the boat, right, in Mark 4, and they were going to the other side, right? Mark, Matthew, and Luke all writes about the same event. So when all three evangelists write about the same encounter, you know that it's something that the Holy Ghost wants us to get, right? And so Mark is writing to his audience, and Mark says in verse 4, verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 40, when, when, when they were, when they were uh, waking Jesus up, Jesus says, hey, hey, you have no faith. He begins, says, why are you fearful? He says, you have no faith. No faith is what he says. No confidence, no, no assurance of my word. You don't have any. Like none what, like I'm not talking like a penny. None whatsoever. So they're empty of resource. Although they have all the resource. 
they're empty of resource, though they have all the resource. In Matthew 8, 26, he says, oh, people of little faith. And Matthew's audience was the Jewish nation. Matthew was writing to, as Jesus as king. And he's saying that from the time the word became flesh and dwelt among us, you had little faith. Now, little faith doesn't mean that if I need something and it costs $100 and I got $90, that I have little faith. It means I need 10 more dollars to, to, excuse me, to purchase this item. Get this now. You need to understand this. Mark and Matthew, when you read their Gospels, there was some way where some people says, well, Mark was taken from Matthew's Gospel or Matthew from Mark's Gospel. And th- th- there's a lot of connection between the two. So where Mark says you have no faith because of his audience, Matthew now says because of his audience, you have little faith. And little faith doesn't mean you got 90%, you just need 10 more percent to make it 100. He's literally saying the same thing Mark is saying, that you have no faith, but because of his audience, he had to let them know that the Greek word he used wasn't the same word that Mark used for faith. His word that he used because of his audience was saying, you have no faith. It was a label that was placed on them because of their unbelief. So what he's saying is this, it's not about having a little faith, it's you have no faith at all. And so Jesus is teaching them, he's giving them a warning, he says you have to access resources because where I'm taking you, it's going to be accessed through faith. Are you getting this? So here he's saying that people of little faith, let me tell you something, that will not be declared over this house. Come on, somebody. We will not have people come and say, we have no faith. Come on. And we will not have people say, you have little faith. We're going to have people say, oh my goodness. Faith is in the house. Faith is in the house. Someone say, faith is here. Ooh, good God Almighty. And so Luke then goes in Luke 8.25. Luke says now, where is your faith? Where is your faith? So three negative things. Okay? So, so what's the life lesson? I want, I want you to get this. because I'm going to talk about great faith and we're going to pray. Right? So what is the life lesson? What is the life lesson and what makes this message relevant for the 21st, 22nd century is this. Is that if we access, if we access heaven through faith, we will receive a revelation from God, as Teresa was talking about earlier, to know the revealed will of God for our lives. That we will walk in the supernatural and that becomes our reality. Faith wants to make the supernatural our reality. In other words, can I make it plain? He wants the kingdom of God to possess you, oh God. He wants the kingdom, thy will be done on earth as is in heaven. That is a powerful word, and that's the prayer that Jesus says, here's how the church is supposed to pray. It wasn't Jesus' prayer, it's that's how the church is supposed to pray. And here we are saying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. And we're like, how are you accessing that? And so we're being religious again. Say the Lord's prayer. Say the Lord's Prayer. Let's see if I just repeat it, if that's going to help. It's not repetition. It's about believing what God is saying. Right? It's believing what God is saying. So, so your life lesson is this. Right? Your life lesson is this. Is revelation and reality. Okay? So, so two, two last points I'm going to make is this now. And then we're going to shout. This, this is it. Get ready for this. This is absolutely, some of you here, you are so, so super excited for what's about to be revealed now. Okay? So watch this now. So, so in Luke 17, verse 5, um, Jesus now reveals to them that because you have faith to believe this relationship, you now have to have faith to believe this relationship. Because the resource you need are going to come through people. Pressed down, shaken together, and run it over shall men give it to your bosom. 
So we need favor, right? But you can't access favor without having the faith to believe you have favor on your life. So if you know that these resources are available for you, you access it first by faith. Then when you walk to people, come on, you know the favor of God's on your life. So when you hear the word no, come on, sales people teach you. When you hear the word no, say, but I don't live in that dimension anyways. Because what do you mean no faith? Come on. You're just not the one that God has for me. Excuse me, I'll go to the next person. Because when Elijah needed provision, come on somebody. And he says, I want you to get up from the brook because it's dried up. Not that God has dried up. Come on. The brook, the natural has dried up. I'm here to preach this word to someone here. You've been drinking from a brook that is dried up, baby. That's what we've been, honey. We've been drinking from a brook that now is dried up. And God is saying, get down to Zarephath. I have commanded, oh, good God. I've commanded a widow woman down there to sustain you. I'm about to do another cartwheel or backflip in this place. Come on. Somebody need to get up from where you're seated. Come on. The brook is dried up and go and believe God. So Elijah heard from God and he goes down and he's looking and he walks up to one lady and he says, hey, give me some water and give me some bread. Nope. Okay. You're not the one. Hey, give me some. You're not the one. See, I don't take no because I don't have no faith. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm saying, God, increase my faith. Come on, somebody. Increase my faith so I don't talk bad about the person who said no to me. <laughs> Did you get that? He's saying, he tells him, hey, if someone sins and seven times a day, he says he's supposed to still forgive him. Peter says, my God, the Lord didn't even tell us to do that. What dimension are you living in, Jesus. That it's seven times a day they sin against me. I'm supposed to forgive them. He says, yeah, because I want to give you resource that's going to come through man. Come on, somebody. But it's going to be through me because I said in Mark 11, have faith in God. So you understand when someone says yes, bingo, that's the person who came in agreement with you. Come on, somebody. And we exchange. Come on. And there's a revelation. So all the other ladies who said no, one lady says, yes, I will go. Come on, somebody. And that one lady who had enough faith to act as a supernatural in the midst of a dry situation come on somebody she was able to save her family your yes is going to save your family oh God of mercy so when this door of faith opened for Megan and I to come and to speak here I said, and God is holding me to it. I said, God, if, if, if it's just me and her and our kids if that's all it is, I know I heard from you so I said yes to your best and anyone who comes in agreement with my yes to God, come on, baby, get a bigger pocket because the harvest has come in. Every single one of you who says yes to God's best, you're about to receive a harvest. That's why I get frustrated when I don't see you walking in the harvest because I know my daddy's voice. Come on, come on. Can I teach this thing for just give me a moment? Can I teach this thing? Here it is. That Peter now is, 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 he went out fishing and he was, it was a bad day for business. In the natural. The kingdom of God shows up, walks up and says, the crowd is massive. Can I use your boat? Can you resource me? What a humbling thought that the, the one who has everything asks for what you have. Teach a Lizzie had a tithe, and she's like, but daddy, I work for that. I said, girlfriend, God gave you that job. 
You better give him back his because you want more. You save, you save him for something. The best you can do to save is to trust God with your savings. And so he comes. He, he comes, Richie, and he says, hey, can, can I borrow your boat? And he, and he gets in the boat. And the kingdom, his boat went from bad day of business to now stepped into a new reality. And he sits down. Ooh, God. God wants to sit down in your life. At the end of it, he says, as David says, I won't do anything that won't cost me something. And he says to Peter, push out into the deep. And he says, let down your net for a catch. Religion tries to creep in again. We, we, we've toiled all day and we haven't caught anything. He says, but the new kingdom has arrived. Oh, God. The way of thinking has changed, Peter. And Peter goes and he lets his net down. Some of you got to let your net down. You, you got to let your net down. Why? Why? Because there's partners that you have relationship with that are dependent upon your obedience, your yes, your access of faith, your access of reality, so that they can understand the supernatural. See, the natural needs a super on it so that you walk in supernatural things. And so here he is now. I'm teaching this thing real good. Thank you, Holy Ghost. And so here it is now that he puts down his net and he catches and he beckons to his partners, those he's in relationship with. He didn't say, hey, everybody come. He said to his partners, come because the kingdom of God has just manifested itself. And when you access the reality of heaven through faith, you have to say after you do that, God, increase my faith so that I can trust the people that you're going to bring into my life. Come on, somebody. That when things get messy, I don't run. When things don't look right, I hold my fort because they God, increase my faith. Are you receiving this? I said all that to teach you how to walk in great faith. So the three negative words, no faith, little faith, and where is your faith? I talked about God saying, increase my faith because he wants to move you now to great faith. Someone say great faith. Great faith. And here it is now. The two places where there's a couple of times where Jesus talks about great faith, right? And when Jesus was doing miracles, when I read this, this absolutely caused me to do cartwheels inside. I'm like, ooh, I've never seen this before. Great faith. He never, ever, if we read the scripture, prescribed great faith with the nation of Israel. It was always other nations that he would say, man, that's great faith. When he said, let's get to the other side, he was around the proximity. He was around the Jewish people and he wanted to get over to this region where the Gentiles was because here was an individual was demon possessed that nobody wanted because nobody could control him and all this stuff. He was messed up and God was saying, no, increase my faith. I'm going to take you guys somewhere to see the miraculous. See, it's great that you saw me feed you with the bread. It's great you saw me the lame walk. But what we really need is a relationship because while he's in this condition, he has no relationship with his family. And the greatest miracle, the greatest access of faith is for restoration and redemption to take place. So he says, why I'm doing things naturally, you need to see the supernatural. So the enemy says, oh, I don't mind when you see natural things. I won't bother you. But the moment you says yes to the supernatural, whoo, things start coming to prevent you from embracing the things of God. Oh, please, please. Watch this. And so he gets over there. He delivers them. And so here it is now that he's saying this. He, he says, the two places where great faith is mentioned, right, is this. So in Luke, in, in Luke chapter uh, 7, verse 9, the centurion, right, the centurion, okay, a Roman soldier, his servant, his soldier is sick. He's living in the natural, and he has a sickness that's natural. And he now goes, and he sends people. He says, go tell Jesus, my servant is sick. 
this centurion soldier had so much favor that look at what the people said about him. And if you love this nation, you want to have resources so you can build this nation. Because what they said was, look, Jesus, the reason why he qualifies for this miracle, for his servant to be healed, is because he loves this nation. And he also provided resources to build our synagogue. In other words, because of his love for you, God, we were able to access worship. Get this, get this, get this. So if you love this nation... You're going to build things that's going to give people access to faith. That's why you got to take back media and build it for people to access faith. You're going to take back education and build it so people can access faith. You're going to take back government so people can access it by faith. You're going to take back, come on, all the mountains. You're going to take them back. Why? So people can access them by faith. The people around him was bragging on him. They're like, this guy is favored. Jesus, don't do a miracle for me. I didn't do squat, but this guy... Him? Oh, do a miracle for him. Because he took his resource and his influence to further our cause. There's some of you right now, you qualify for that because you love this nation and you love God. And I'm here to tell you the favor of God is on your life. And I'm telling God, do it for him because he loves this nation and he loves God. Come on, do it for you because you love this nation and you love God. Do it. Come on, come on, come on. If you love this nation and you love God, say, God, do it for me because I love this nation and I love you. Here he is now. And so Jesus says, okay, because whenever Jesus did a miracle, Brandy, whenever he did a miracle, it was people in close proximity. He would go into a city, and those who came to him, he would touch. And those who touched him, and he would say to some of them, hey, that's saving faith. But he never said it was great faith. And if he went into Capernaum, and he did something, the people came to him. They heard Jesus was there, and they would run to him. So everywhere Jesus did miracles, when you read the Gospels, the people would come to him, and Jesus would heal them. Because they were coming to him, and he would heal them. Get that? They were coming to him, he would heal them. He did miracles for those in close proximity. He did miracles for those who were in the district where Jesus was. Because as Jesus, he was in a body limited. Come on, somebody. So you had to come to him in order to receive your miracle. Get this church. I'm driving this point home to you. Because when I tell you what great faith is, you're going to leave your chair and you're going to run to this altar and say, God, I want that kind of great faith. So wherever it was convenient, that's when people would show up. (laughs) But this centurion said, I understand a dimension of authority and faith. He says, Jesus, don't even come to my house. I'm not worthy of your presence in my house. He said, I'm a man under authority. And when I tell one soldier go this way, he goes because his life depends on it. Good God Almighty. My soldiers understand my commands. That when I tell them something, they access it by faith. They don't see the enemy, but they trust in my word. And so I tell them, go over there, because the enemy is to teach, trying to get you there. And they depend on my word, and it saves their life. And just like when he was in battle, he trusted me, and now he's sick, and he's still going to trust me. Are you getting this thing now? So he says, Jesus, you don't have to come to my house. Just speak the word. Jesus says, oh my goodness. Everybody else came in proximity to me. But this dude knows my word can go to the distance. He said, I don't even have to go into the house. 
just speak the word from a distance. Come on. And some of you, your promise is like in a distance. And you're waiting till it's comfortable. You're waiting till it's convenient. You're waiting till you get captured. And God is saying, if you want great faith, you got to access that promise now. Because now, faith. Oh. There's some of you, you can taste the promise of God, but you're waiting for a convenient moment to make that decision. I'm here to tell you, the devil is a liar. The only convenient moment you need is a relationship with Jesus Christ. All you need is one word from Jesus Christ. Come on, shake yourself if you're getting tired this morning. I can't have you miss this. I can't have the devil rob this word from you. This word is so precious. This word is so precious to you because some of you here, you need to make that decision because my future depends on your faith. Come on, somebody. My future depends on you being obedient. Come on, and getting access to dimension of reality so you can walk and it says pastor how much do you need and I can walk and write that check come on somebody not because I'm trying to take it from you no because you have access a dimension of reality because I spoke it first when no one else believed it you believed it come on somebody you got a hold of the word of God I'm teaching this thing Holy Ghost so great faith will go the distance And he got Jesus to marvel at his faith. While others came to him, he said, just speak the word, it'll go to them. So he was accessing a dimension of being in heavenly places before Jesus was even there. Because he lives to make intercessions for us now. But that centurion was accessing time before time even came. He was saying, I know you're not where you're going to be yet. But the same word that's going to be up there is the same word here. So I'm going to have you access a dimension of heaven now. And the second one, and the servant was, he got home, and and they they came back. He's like, oh, my goodness. They showed up, and there was a soldier. He was healed, ready for battle again. He said, I trusted you when I went into battle, and I trusted you when I was in sickness. That's what faith can do. That's what faith can do. And my last thing is this, and then we're going to go, last thing is this. Last thing is this. So we have distance, and the other one now is desperation. So that was for the men. This is for the ladies now. That was for the men who understand that just you have authority in your home to speak the word of God, and things have to come to pass. Now for the ladies, this is it. This is, come on, this seven-inning stretch, right? Watch, watch this now, okay? This woman comes to Jesus now, and she's a Canaanite woman. And she comes to him, and she says, my daughter... Is not right. She's in a messed up state. It's not your original design. I know I don't have access to you because of my nationality. And because of how I was born. But I still came to you because I'm seeing what you're doing. And the disciples said, Jesus, get away. And even Jesus says, I can't take the bread that was for and give it to dogs. He says, he goes, no, I'm telling you about the covenant. The covenant belongs to Abraham. Are you getting this? I talked to him earlier. The covenant belongs to Abraham. What do you want me to do? This covenant is for Abraham, and you're not part of Abraham's line. You're a Canaanite woman. You don't have any access to this. But she says, my daughter needs me. So I'm going to, by faith, access a relationship that I've been told I can't have. Ooh, good God Almighty. That I believe you're not like other men. Come on, somebody. That I can access a relationship with you. 
that even though my nationality keeps me out, my faith brings me here. And she gets there. And she said, but, but the bread, I, I can't feed it. She says, but, but Jesus, even, even the crumbs that fall off the table, the dogs eat that. And Jesus said, oh my gosh, what faith, what great faith. So I hear, and we're finished with this, bow your head, close your eyes. Here's the two things we need. Men and ladies, here's the two things we need. Watch this now. Get this, get this, get this. God wants us as a church, you as an individual, to walk in great faith. And the two things that we need, here's the thing. When, when, when the storm is, is hidden and we are trying to bail the water out while we threw out, the two things we threw out of the church and what God wants to restore back in to give us access to the resources, two things. He needs for the church to become desperate for God's presence and know his word can go the distance. That's it right there. No matter how far away you think you're from God, his word can go the distance. Those who are watching me on Facebook Live, it doesn't matter how far you are, he can go the distance. But we got to get desperate. we got to get desperate. Every head bow, every eyes closed. This week, your assignment, your launch is this. This week is this. God, I'm desperate for you. I want you more than anything else. I have relationships that need you, God. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, you first need to understand the saving faith that comes through faith. If you're here with every head bowed, every eyes closed, and that's you, I want you with every head, every head bowed, every eyes closed, raise your hands if that's you, because you need to understand, don't neglect this great salvation. The presence of God is here right now, and that's you. Thank you for that hand right there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you'll be saved. You will be. So, Father, I just thank you. Right now, wherever you are, and you put your hands up, just confess it. Jesus, I come into my heart. I believe in you. I want a relationship. I want a reality that's based on your word. I don't want to live this lie anymore. If you confess with your mind and believe in your heart, you shall be saved. You shall be saved. And if you've done that right now, welcome to the family. You are, you are a child of God. You are saved. Hallelujah. Come on. God is so good to you. He's awesome. He's wonderful. He's marvelous. He's great. But I want to talk to now to the people here. I made a decision. I made a decision. And when I made that decision, heaven opened up, but also hell was mad. And the only way I'm going to survive the storm is I have to have great faith. In the midst of the storm, I have to believe that the decision I made that God can go the distance, and if I remain desperate for his presence, I'll see the miraculous. This week, I prophesy over you. Come on, receive this, receive this, receive this. Lift your hands up, lift your, I got 60 seconds. Lift your hands up, listen, listen, listen. And Megan's going to come and pray over us, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head to the back, I'm going to greet you. But, but listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. Oh, God. What's missing is this. Jacob knew that Esau was out in the distance. And he couldn't run and face Esau, who was, who was out in the distance, wanted to take his life. And he couldn't go back to Laban. He found himself in a desperate and a distant place. And he got a hold of the word of God. And he said, you couldn't shake him. And he says, I will not let you go until you bless me. 
what is missing in the church is a desperation for God to say, I will stay all night if I have to. But I am not going to let go of this word until you bless me. If that is you in this Holy Ghost filled place this morning, I want you to open up your mouth and say, God, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. I'm not going to let go until you bless me. Vicky, don't let go until he blesses you. Don't let go, Rick, until he blesses you. You heard a word from God. Hold on to that word, saith God. I am good on prophesying now, and my kindness and my love will always sustain you. If I said it, I decreed it, I will bring it to pass because I am God. Be desperate for my presence. Let me know that you want to walk in great faith. And I promise you I will do the miraculous in your life. Promise you the word is not so far that you have to go across the sea. I promise you the word is not so high you can't obtain it. The word is in your mouth and in your heart. Open up your Holy Ghost faith-filled mouth and declare my word and watch me perform my words, saith God. Come and pray, babe. Get a mic and pray. Hold hands with your neighbor. My God, they need what you have. Hold hands. If you got to make a decision, make a decision today. I make a decision. I made a decision for salvation. And God, you've been faithful. Now I make a decision for my destiny. Come on, that's for somebody here. I need to pray for somebody. Come on, come on, come on. Hallelujah. Hold hands. Go ahead and pray. Praise the name of the Lord. Father, we thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you for your word that is quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord God, that it's even able to discern between our intent and our thoughts. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word that went forth. Even now, I, if you can just put your hand over your mouth. Mm. Father, I pray for our mouth or tongue or lips, the saliva in our mouths, Lord Jesus. Mm. Let us not be afraid to speak your word. Mm. Let us not be afraid to declare what your word says. Mm. Let us not be silent by the enemy anymore, Lord God, but let us with boldness speak and declare your word, Father, because it is nigh, it is even in our mouth. So, Father, I declare over your people that they will speak your word, that they will open up their mouths and declare what you have said. They will search your scripture And they will find your promise, Lord God, and they will boldly declare your promise because it is yes and amen over their situations, Lord. We will not be timid. We will not be intimidated by the enemy anymore. We will not be intimidated by our lack, Lord God, because we access your resources in Jesus' name. We pray for relationships, Lord God. We pray that you will strengthen relationships, Lord Jesus. Things that are fragile, God, I pray your grace, your grace over relationships, that Holy Spirit, you can do what you need to do in Jesus' name. Relationships that we grieve the loss of, God. Relationships that we have lost, 
relationships that we have lost because the enemy has come in. I pray for those relationships, Father. They are not dead. They may be lost. They're not dead. So we speak to those relationships that you want us to have, that we thought were lost and gone. And we speak to those relationships with our sons and our daughters, with our brothers and our sisters, with our mothers and our fathers, with our co-workers, with our neighbors. And we say life. We speak life. And we speak restoration because you are a God who restores. You are the God who restores. You are a restoring God. And we thank you, Father. So faith has been stirred up. Faith has risen up. Let our faith increase in Jesus' name. And according to our faith, and you're so kind, you are kind, God. You said, small as a mustard seed. Thank you for seeing our humanity, and thank you for sending your son to die for us so that um, that we are strong in him. In our weakness, your strength is perfected, Jesus. So as our faith is increased, those who have no faith, Father, Thank you for the mustard seed faith that is even now arising in them, Lord God. And we will see miracles this week, Father, because our eyes will be open to who you are and your word that is nigh even in our mouth in Jesus' name. Bless your people, Father. I pronounce a blessing over your people, Father. You are good. Let your goodness, God, over the lives of your people Lead others to repentance. Lead others to you, Father. That's your word, that your goodness leads to repentance, Father. And so your kingdom will be established, and so your kingdom grows. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.